Love black queens with introspective. See the world from a dope perspective. Type that's real heavy on the intellect. Always light on the disrespect. Conversation that keep you engaged. Free speech against the minds of a saving. They can't be the only ones. Now they can't be the only ones. A podcast that streams from coast to coast. Miss Gale and be your lovely host. To hear the show that you ain't alone. Can't be the only ones. No, we can't be the only ones. A podcast that streams from coast to coast. Welcome to our podcast, We Can't Be the Only Ones. I'm Gail. I'm B. And thank you for tuning in on today, a special day for some, for others, maybe not, but for a special day for most of people we know. And mm-hmm. B, how's your day going so far? My day is going pretty well. Um, the president-elect is the person I want to be the president-elect and people are partying in the street which makes me happy and um, I'm looking forward to this man going to jail hopefully (laughs) Uh, just as a little you know not to damper anybody's spirits but we still got a little ways to go before we get to the electrical I'm sorry electoral college vote and I'm Fairly certain it will go as it is now, but let's just stay the course. Let's just stay the course. And we're to, as always, start off with the things that we are grateful for. And I will have to say that I'm grateful for having people in my lives that help keep me directed and going in the right direction. Even if it's sometimes not the direction I think I should be in. But I'm grateful for that. And it takes tenacity and strength to be able to help steer this big old boat. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) And I, um, at this moment, I am grateful for um, perspective. I am just grateful that I am able to view the world um, in color and not necessarily in a black and white lens. I know that there are grays and everything in between um, when it comes to viewing the world. And I am grateful for not only my perspective but grateful for the different perspectives that I have because it just helps you to see the world clearer when you have a good set of people around you with who are rational um, in seeing the world. It might be different um, and different experiences, but it's just a different way of seeing it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that is good to, that's a good thing to have that perspective. Yeah. Well, my topic today is going to be about me turning 69. Look at you. What does the number 69 mean? And I ain't talking about the one I'm talking about or thinking about. (laughs) Or, Or done. 
but we'll move on. <laughs> Alina's in the room, so we can't. The numer numerology number 69 is a number of idealism, family, and harmony. It's also a number of health and compassion. And if you read a little bit further, it says that the number 69 is a philosopher. And it tends to determine an ideal way of being or method of doing and sticks to it. And it's open to alternative points of view and may change its own idea, ideal as a result. And that's kind of a cool thing when you think about 69. That it's, it's an, if you actually look, think about the number and look at it, it's a circle. I'm thinking of a completely. <laughs> I can't. With well, two circles in, is two circles inside that make one big circle, I'm and they steer the way that I like to picture it, and it's a beautiful picture. <laughs> but it's kind of steering. You steer. Each number steers each other, and each number can be each, itself. A six can be a nine, and nine can be a six. Yes, that's like pretty, or whichever way you look at it, and that's kind of a cool thing about sixty nine, and it may even represent how I see my life at this point. How do you? That I could at sixty nine, I could go either way. Okay. I could stay the course that I'm on now with the job and all that, or I could just say, you know what. I know enough about stuff. Let me pack up my little glad rags and move to Cuba. And had the election gone the opposite way, that might have happened a lot faster. Uh -huh. And yes, it's a communistic country, but sometimes you never know. You but, don't have to explain why you're moving. Not your business. But it's that, that I just, at this point in your life, I think you should be comfortable enough with who you are to do what you would desire or want to do. I think at all points in your life, if you are able to get there, you should be able to do that regardless of age. I don't, I don't even think that there's a magical number to get to, um, especially within your 20s when you're figuring out who you are. And now that I'm in my 30s and I'm quite happy with who I am, I think that there is, there shouldn't be a limit as to when and how you move and how happiness shows up for you. I think it's a thing that can be conditioned very early on and a thing that can be cultivated very early on if we're aware. And that's partially true. And I guess I'm thinking, because here at 69, I have no children to worry about. I have... And then in my 20s, I had Julian. So jumping up and moving and going someplace, I had to factor that in. It mm -hmm. not necessarily stop me, but it would be more of a guide, like maybe that's not a good place to have a child. Those were other considerations that I had to put into the pot of that stew before I could call it made. Okay, so let's, um, what is it called? What's the word I'm looking for? Responsibility. There you go. I'm trying to get away with them. Can you see? I'm like, what? What? What is that word? When you have to do things, 
Uh, <laughs> I, and I think at this stage in my life, I just have different responsibilities. It's shifted. Yeah, greatly. You know, when you're in your 20s, I don't think you worry, God forbid, unless you have a health condition, you really don't worry about your health that much. It's not a focal point. Mm -hmm. um, you're silly enough to not worry about money that much. And, and maybe that's when you should have started worrying about it and, and it might have been different. But, and then when you hit your 30s, for me, my 30s were the coolest time of my life. I've heard that before. I think um, there are different, is it Piaget? It might be Piaget, which has, oh, Piaget has like the stages of development. And so I'm going to try to look it up so I don't misquote him, but I do remember um, Piaget theory of cognitive development. And basically it just is kind of like, our, our mind changes and the things that we want change um, as we get older. So what you need in your teenage years or even from like birth to like 10 is for your parent to be able to supply. supply you and, you know, do all of those things to make sure that you're okay. And, um, you know, even with your adolescence period, it basically changes, you know, the things that you need. Like you, Alina now can understand sarcasm. She has for a few years, but that's like a little turning point where people aren't taking things as literal right. as they can. Though America seems to have issues with that. But even as you age, you know, going into your 30s, you or your 20s or your 30s you may want to have more you're worried about romantic relationships and then as you get older then you're worried about the quality of life you had and you're more reflective like did i live a good life was i able to do stuff so i think even that's just a theory but it's almost kind of like the progression that most of us go through Whereas like your 20s, you're like, okay, now is really time to procreate. You know, you got the good eggs and sperm. So <laughs> you have that going on. So you're like, your body wants to procreate. And I think that's probably like in your 30s too. I think a lot of women who have kids and some people who don't have kids but want it, they start to say their clock starts yeah. to tick. So, I was never concerned about my clock ticking. I don't care about I it. I had a child and, and I think there was a moment in time I wished I had had more children, but I didn't want to have a child without a husband. And looking back through my diaries, that seems to be an, a main issue in my life was men. I either just didn't know how to communicate, relate, express did you have a lot of male friends and i did did you or you and your male friends talk about that and, like and I, men? I, you know and i can't remember if we did or didn't but i did have like uh, male friends but i think it had a lot to do with growing in a, growing up in a house where a, a man was not there i was raised by women Oh, okay. And I think that had a lot to do with it. And my father's input was 
not in my young years. It Your was formative I was, years, right? And I think that had so much to do with it that I just, I just never got it right. I can see how that makes sense because, again, the same way that I mean, we're we're pretty much. I grew up with my dad in the house until I was uh, six or seven. And then even then, after that, I would still go and see him. And then we also had, again, I mentioned before, like the, the community that we lived in, my mom, not my mom, my grandmother's boyfriend, he of like 40 years, he 50 years now, um, he was in the household and was also like a surrogate father and you know he was relating to her so there was all there was some sort of relation that you could see between a man and a woman and how it goes versus not being able to see how men and women react not on even a friendly level or a familial level but in some sort of relationship with one another. And, and because there's some family members still alive, so that might listen to this, I can't name names or say it too clearly, but the relationships that I grew up with were adulterous, um, hidden, they were in, done in great secrecy, and, and there, there seemed to be shame about it. Okay. So, and, and, and I'm sure that played a part in it. And nobody ever seemed to be good enough for me. Because many, many young men came courting, wanting to marry me. And each time they were sent packing by my mother or my dad. So do you feel like because they had a hand in choosing and them reiterate? Because, I mean, we do adopt a lot of what our parents tell us whether or not you know they're listening they pretend to be listening or not like you still adopt just some of the things that they want unless you're one of those people that kind of like you know I'm gonna do what I want to do but I don't know where you stood were you more like I need to please them or I'm gonna do what I want to do I was pretty much do what I want to do. But at the same time, I think it still colored relationships with men. That they weren't good enough? and or I, or I wasn't good enough. It reflected that way on me. Because if you're, um, and there, that's a whole nother topic about women and when you're young and, and having relationships that are forbidden. And I think that shaded me for so long until I actually sought um, help and got help about that. But then I was solidified in my non-relationship. I was always in charge of everything. I was in charge of my life. Mm -hmm. And you have to relinquish some of that with a man. Well, I think in a partnership, yeah. And see, I think your generation is different because I think in your generation, men have adjusted to strong women and have decided, 
okay, if I really want a, a good woman in my life and she is strong, I'm going to have to adjust to that. And the other, yeah. And my generation was like, what is wrong with you? I'm the man. I'm in charge. Even if you're screwing it up. You're still, I can't just let you be in charge and screw up my life. I, I can, you know, I can't do that. I oh. just cannot be. And I remember being married and having that conversation with my mother-in-law. And she was like, well, but he's your husband. And it may not be good, but it, eventually one day it will be good. If I'm alive <laughs> or if he's alive, because I might kill this man. So I, I just, that was a I was before my time for the men in my time. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that they were socialized to believe that they should lead. And how dare you have an opinion? Because even now, there are a bunch of men who are like, have you ever heard of incels? They're like involuntary celibate. And they yes. just like hate women because women don't look their way. So, I mean, there are a lot of men out here that resent the fact that there are smart women. I know that I, even in dating, um, there have been some, uh, a man particular, you know who I'm talking about if you're listening, but <laughs> there was a man in particular who, I mean, it, it really burned his biscuit that I was smart. It burned his biscuit that I was smart. And the thing is that you have to be very, very careful because they will weaponize the fact some men, some men or some people, I think it goes both ways in relationships. So I don't want to genderize it. Will abuse the fact that you care about them and then manipulate you in a way or emotionally abuse you for being smart and making you feel bad that you're smart. Or making you feel bad that you have X and making you know what I mean so you just have to be very careful about who you're letting in your life like because as you said if you're just gonna follow blindly just because you love somebody they could probably be your demise if you're not paying attention well that's like the it used to be a phrase like who's wearing the pants in that family mm-hmm and that was a, a very uncomfortable thing for my generation. And it's so you can't, you don't want a, a man or your husband to be out in public and somebody say, oh, Gail's running that house in front of him because then he's let, he feels less of a man instead of, you know, it's really weird. Like with my son and Fran, in some aspects, Fran does run it. And in some aspects, Julian runs it. They are truly partners and using their strengths to build a good relationship. Whereas I think looking back over my life, the things that I have for strengths, a man would just, as you say, make it as a weapon against me. Mm -hmm. You're too smart. Mm -hmm. Or you're too this, or you're too that. And they have to knock you down a peg so that you are beneath them. Right. So, yeah, again, I, I'm sure that there are some men my age, younger, five years older, whatever, that still 
prescribe to this or women you, uh, again it's not even a gender thing because yes there are women who are looking for that man and I think for a while I did I was looking for the man who would run it all and I could just throw up my hands and say you in charge but then if I found one that they, they didn't last long because I'd be like wait a minute I can't do that <laughs> what are you gonna give up we're not gonna live in that house I can't <laughs> No, we're not having three dogs. No. Uh, yeah, I mean, I have my non-negotiables, and I'm like, I don't want to have any other kids. So let's say you are financially secure, and we can have a soccer team full of kids. You can support them, but that's not something I want to do. Yeah. So, again, there's that, you know, push and pull, and I think a lot of the times, just partnering and finding friends and finding people that you're going to have in your life that are acquaintances that you're, you got to vet these people. You have to, you have to vet these people. And, but at the same time, you kind of have to know yourself. That's what I've come to realize at this later stage of my life. I, I've asked myself, who is Gail? Who is Gail? You know, what is Gail doing? Where is Gail going? And I find, and I may have mentioned this before, there's there's this thread that is consistent through my life that my grandmother, if, if somebody were to give you a, a whole big thing of thread and say, carry this with you, it'll take you to the end, she did it. Uh-huh. Because she introduced me to, to, to God and to prayer. She didn't introduce me. She introduced me to the church in a way. But I remember as a little tyke coming down the steps and grandma was sitting at the kitchen table with Maxwell House instant coffee. Because brewed coffee was special occasions. With her little Maxwell House praying. She did it every morning of her life. Uh-huh. And when we discussed it, she told me she was praying to God and she could not read. So, but we had Bibles in the house. So it wasn't the Bible so much as just her pure faith that God would do. Okay. And that you live a certain way with God in your life. So I got like, to me, I got God um, was not watered down in my house. So that thread is still with me. Okay. And that kept me kind of off of going truly crazy in life. It would always reel me back. But it didn't seem to help me with um, my relationships with men. Because I, I put God in a box. And that was my box. I didn't share it. Okay. And so later in life, I learned to share it. So then I met a different group of people. But at that point, and it's not good, bad, or indifferent. It just never evolved to anything past that. Because I look back on my life now and I think, you know, was it really important to get my education? Maybe, maybe not. Mm-hmm. Whereas now I think people believe... If you don't get a college degree, you'll waste away to nothingness. Well, I mean, that's a that's also a moving goalpost as well, because now there are too many educated people um, and not enough jobs. So, I, again, 
not to there are people who have trades that get paid a whole lot of money mm -hmm. so I think so long as we need more of a balance in this country my whole thing with this country is and education and where it stands is just that we really have to get to the point where we're just going to invest in education for all people and again that requires various levels yeah and that requires um abolishing racism which this country is so tied to so again it, it, it isn't necessarily like the job portion of it or the career or whatever um, but we just don't have educated people here and racism is another factor of my life that may be stronger in it than in your life Mm. because I grew up where racism was such a factor in our lives we just knew you don't go in there you don't go here and if you want to get a job you need to talk a certain way on the phone and I think we've discussed this before but that was live and real whereas I think as to you know 40s 50s 60s of my life it was a different conversation about racism we were having the conversation early in my life there was not the conversation you were just told what you could and could not do and I don't even know that they told us we just knew you know when we went down south to visit other family we knew there were places don't even walk on that side of the street mm-hmm you don't do this you don't do that and nobody ever used the word racism but you only saw whites there well I don't think they needed to use it because it was a default I mean you don't have to label something that is right um, so that probably is part of what that is you necessarily don't have to label something that it is and we all understand that this is what we're doing it's when i think naming things is such a big thing like naming intersectionality and saying okay a black woman a black gay woman will have all of these things going on it's not just one thing and before i was like you're a black woman and this is who you are and then intersectionality comes up and is like, wait, you are all of these things in one person. And that's not even a, com a topic. I think Kimberly Crenshaw, if I got this wrong, I'm mistaken. But I think she came up with intersectionality. And um, so, so she came up with intersectionality. <laughs> Just a mosquito. You scared me. I thought, oh, there's a bug on the floor. Okay. <laughs> I know, it's a mosquito. I don't play about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think again, that intersectionality wouldn't have been a term that was used in the sixties. Right. It wouldn't have been a term used in the forties. It wouldn't have been. And it's not that they, there weren't women people who felt that right. way. Right. And we, and it's funny, you knew who they were and they were not pointed out, ridiculed, none of that. It was just accepted and we moved on. Yeah. Nobody pointed a finger and said, you know, blah, 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 blah. You just went on. But I think part of it might be that a lot of that was just kind of, it wasn't flaunted either. You know, now 
people love in public, which is a great thing. But I don't think that that was something. And even in some places in this country, black Still. and white or in between, yeah. it is not acceptable for you to love on someone who was born of the same sex as you were. You know, well, I think when I grew up, it wasn't acceptable to, to do that. I don't care who you were. Okay. It would public displays of affection were not done. Okay, just the act itself. Right, it just wasn't done. It wasn't, didn't matter who was doing it. It was like, ooh, look at that. Ooh, do that at home. You know, that's just the way it was. Now, was there an underlining reason? I don't know. But growing up through, when in the 60s, when they decided to name a thing, uh -huh. then it became racism. It had a name. It had a definition, and it also had laws saying you couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. That was such a shift in my life. That was huge. That's when the Afro came out. That's when the, I can get in your face, and what are you going to say? And then that's also when I saw my own racism with my own people. Mm -hmm. because I was light, bright, damn near white with green eyes. So was I really one of them? Oh, what, a white person? Black. Oh, oh, colorism. Yeah. So that, so it brought... So I was like, what are yeah, we talking about? It brought that... white person, yeah? <laughs> what is going on? You're white? She's and not I, white. No, <laughs> I actually, I, I had a, a young lady in a class I was teaching was like, you know... You should just pass for white. Wouldn't your life be easier? And you know, I remember driving home that day from the class thinking, I don't know if it would be exactly, because I don't know how white people live, but I couldn't do that. So, I was telling somebody, I've never been a white person a day in my life, and that is not something I aspire to be. There's not, there, why? Like, I, 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 it doesn't seem fun. It doesn't look like... The well, but people who lived in the 20s and 30s, like my mother, my grandmother's No, I get era, It would have been, sometimes it's life-saving. Life mm -hmm. Well, no, life-saving. It's that or a lynch mob. Yeah. So, you know, God forbid I'm going to be, become part of the lynch mob because I don't want to die today. And then you're trapped in that world and you cannot get out. So when did you realize you were black? Well, that's the thing. I grew up in a black neighborhood. And in my family, it's so weird. If you ever go to a family reunion, they look white, 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 like they are white. And they're not all the way to look like they just got off the boat from Africa. No, but, but not, not that. I mean, I don't mean blackness. But I always knew I was. No, not in that sense. I mean, just reconciling as you said, being white or light, bright, and damn near white with green eyes. Uh, that when was did you a, reconcile? Like, that was a fight. I had a, I fought even through college. I mean, I was in college, and a boy at the end of the table called me Redbone, and I threw a bowl of spaghetti the entire table till it hit him. And that was at a Catholic college. So it was a fight all the time. It was a fight to be accepted as I'm black. Okay. Take me. I'm black. And that may have been also colored my relationship. All of this 
part is part of a flower that is part of your life mm -hmm. that colors everything else yeah your experiences all shape who and how you perceive the world and i guess i really accepted like this is who i am this my mother was like blue eyes what am i going to do with that red hair what am i going to do with that i can't change that this is who i am and my father was an activist marching so this is who and my my grandmother was an activist in her own way you know native american so i, I had little bits and pieces of all of it so Probably in my life, I had so much going on with all of that. Who had time for a man in a real relationship? Mm -hmm. I was fighting society all the way. All society on all sides. Well, do you feel like sometimes you were fighting? Because, I mean, you weren't single the whole time. Do you feel like sometimes you were fighting the person you were with at home? I was fighting me. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, if you're fighting you. Most of the time, I was fighting me. Okay. Like, did I marry Edward because he was dark-complected, and that made me be acceptable? Oh, uh, okay. As opposed to maybe marrying a white man that I liked more. Did you like a white man more? Oh, yeah. Oh. And, I, and I, I, he was my son's basketball coach. I'd have married that man in a heartbeat, but my son, like, put the kibosh on that. You will be not dating the coach of my team. That's out. Thank you, Jillian. But Why are you listening to kids? <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> first of all, you messed up there. Why are you, right? Why so, are you listening to so children? The, the what battle, do they know? But the battle was in me more so than around me. Mm -hmm. It was in me. And I, I think that's what I admire so much about you and look at your life and think, had I been more forthcoming with who I was within me instead of trying to sit on it? Yeah. And it's not so much I was trying to please people because I was never really a people pleaser because I was still being me. But they couldn't get used because the, the me you see today might not be the me you see tomorrow. Because yeah. I blossomed into something else, and people didn't that made people uncomfortable. But and again, I think that has a lot to do with the status quo. I think we discussed status quo. Um, it has a lot to do with people putting you in a box, and a lot of the times, people don't grow or look within themselves to be better or change their view or question the way they are and you know really sit with themselves because I mean the hardest person you're ever going to deal with is you amen every that. single time the, the most difficult person that you will meet is you because the person that we probably lie to the most is probably ourselves um but it, it takes a lot to be able to say I'm going to sit with this feeling that tells me you're telling yourself at this moment, you know what, you fucking up. How do you tell yourself you fucking up? And accept it when for all this time you've been doing things the way you've been doing them. And not a lot of people can, can hear that from themselves. And then, you know, if you're not fixing the thing that you have the issue with, it never goes away. It lingers and it festers 
and it gets bigger. So if you're not working on you, or you stop working on you because a person has entered your life, then how are you blooming? How are, you know, are you going to the maximum potential that you can be going? And I think part of my evolution in life was coming to grips with who I was, accepting who I was, and having the strength to look at somebody and say, no, not you, I can't. Man or woman, friend, foe, whatever, no, I can't. Mm -hmm. And instead of being, sometimes I would find myself caught in something that my own web it's more difficult to get out of your own web than someone else's because when you move it moves with you (laughs) like you say you never you know it's there until one day i decided i got the scissors out and cut the web off and said look this to myself not to anybody else this is who you are yeah i think i think self-acceptance is a hard 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 thing to do in today's society so I don't necessarily like, you know, I'm like, oh, look in the mirror and tell yourself you're a bad bitch. Um, and you don't do that every day? I do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do. It's fairly easy for me to do. I thought you were. I thought you did. I thought you did. I, I do. <laughs> but again, to some people, that's weird. To that's some, self-centered. Yes. To some people, it's like you tell yourself nice things every day, like... And it's like, why wouldn't I? Well, see, I grew up in a generational thing where you, other people were supposed to tell you that. You wait for them. And if you wait for them, you know, be it sometimes it's a cold day in hell. (laughs) Telling you. So, So and I guess for me, my epicenter came, um, because I will will change gears quickly. I mean, there are jobs that I went to work that day and I had a job and by lunch I was done. <laughs> I just packed up my stuff and said bye. And because in the back of my head, I remember my father saying, if you're going to work for a paycheck, quit from home. Mm-hmm. I would go there and at lunch, <laughs> get a lunch date and go, I'm not coming back. Why? I'm just, I don't want to do this anymore. I didn't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw out. And I still did it. And I still, on, just on the mere strength that I know I can overcome whatever is thrown at me, I will somehow overcome it. And I think that was that thread my grandmother gave me of God in me. Okay. And I think a lot of people um, have to have some sort of faith, whatever that faith is. If it's faith in oneself, if it's faith in a higher being, if it's faith in a pet rock, whatever it is. I think most people need to believe in something. Um, I, the way I kind of view things is that I, I have a firm belief in myself and that I'm capable. Um, so I, I carry, I don't carry anything outside of me. There's no one that I pray to because I already have it in me. So there's no ever like jujubes or whatever prayer that goes out. I just know that I am 
going to be okay. And for me, it's like, because there are, I mean, crazy things in my life have happened, just insane, and they still happen. And I have the thing of prayer. I have the thing of faith. Like I jump right on it and I just stop myself. God knows where I am. What am I worried about? There's a reason for this. And then there's signs I have to come with grips with God did not put you here, but God knew you'd be silly enough to be here. So maybe he's going to help you and maybe you're on your own. But I've always, when you look back over life and something, if you're in a bad position now, take a moment, breathe and look back. You may not have been in a worse situation, but whatever you got to hear, think back to what it took for you to get here. And know that you can get from this moment to the next one. Yeah. And I think we forget that sometimes. Because there's times I have forgotten it. And I've had been blessed to have friends and family. And sometimes even a stranger just say, you know what? You look like you could do this. You look like you can get through this. And we, I think at 69, I'm re- I remember that. Mm-hmm. Because I, there are, I know people that are my age that have folded up camp. And by that I mean they've gone to live with their kids, sitting in their house, going, you know, I'm going to go out and water the plant today, and that's the big point of the day. Now, I'm not putting them down. If that's their big point of their day, and they are that's, they're living their life to the fullest, uh-huh. go for it. Go water them plants. I'm just not ready to go sit down just yet and just have plants to go water. Okay. I, I got I got some other things that, that I would like to do and see to do. And maybe one of them is to find a lovely man companion to spend my final days with. Anybody listening? <laughs> I, I don't know that I'll marry. And I have to we can do like <laughs> It's fine. I don't care what it is. I don't, you know, I want to put a light stamp up. on it. Something where we dress up and just celebrate love. There you but go. Let me know the color scheme so that I am like already like have. Okay, color. first off, I have to watch you because you'll outshine the bride. That that just will not be appropriate. That's neither here. Uh, yep. Nor yes, it there. is. <laughs> yes, it is. It's not. Oh my God! But I'll I'll be sure to let if that when that happens I'm gonna put it out there when that happens, because here I am at sixty nine and this is what I see. I see strength mm-hmm. and weakness. Because mm-hmm. when you're weak, that's when you're strongest. You're not at your strongest when you're strong. And that sounds, does that sound crazy? I'm, I'm waiting for you to. <laughs> and, and that's because when you're at your strongest and you think nothing can knock you down, that's when you let all your guards down and you can get smacked down because you think you're invincible and no one is, truly. Yeah, you got to keep your head on a swivel. And when you're at your weakest point, that's when you're clawing to come out of it, to get to it. Some you go inside and bring out some fierce thing that's been sitting there waiting for you to find it to get yourself up and go on. 
Yeah, I think, um, like I said, I think a lot of the answers are within. Um, and we just have to get really comfortable with hearing ourselves, with sitting with ourselves, with trusting ourselves, with believing in ourselves. And I think that makes, a, a, for me, it makes such a difference um, navigating the world because I do trust me. Mm -hmm. I trust me. And, um, and I trust that everything is going to be exactly as it should be. So even there, I try not to manipulate things too much because it's like a lot of these things are out of my control, but I get to determine back to controlling your controllables, how I show up for myself, how I show up for others and how I show up in the world. And you have to do that authentically. And there's the strength versus weakness. There's your, your family and how you were raised. Sometimes we, we grow, we want to grow so far past it that we don't look back because either it's too painful to look back or you didn't, you didn't like it. It's just painful for whatever the reason is. It doesn't have to be anything horrific. Maybe you grew up in a neighborhood that you never want to ever be in that kind of neighborhood again in your life. Mm -hmm. And you just want to say, you don't even tell people where you came from. I, I think you got to look back to see where you came from to appreciate where you are. Yeah. You got to look back at your family all the way back to appreciate what they gave you to be where you are. Because they helped pack your bags for the future. They prepared your future self. Mm -hmm. Good or bad. They prepared your future self. Mm -hmm. So and make sure you've unpacked all that luggage. I know. And everything that's there. So you get every morsel and bit. Because you might, you're going to pull out some ugly, dried up stuff. You're like, oh God, I don't want to remember that. I don't want to see that. But maybe you do. Maybe you're missing something even in that bad memory that's a good thing in this present day. Mm -hmm. And I think people miss that so often trying to, I don't want to see it. Or I don't want my children to even know. Yeah. So, and, and then there's the realization, accept where you are. Good, bad, or indifferent. Accept where you are i have a story so story time i'm gonna get kind of candid with you all so last i have a photo shoot coming up with a friend and we had a concept um so part of it was for me to go scout some locations last saturday and i there was a i wanted to do it in winwood which is like my old neighborhood and see what pictures I could take of like locations just so that we know like a we're getting from point A to point B this is where I want it done such and such that so I go I even went to my elementary school as well took some pictures there like of the location all this extra stuff and so I went to my old block um which again I, I don't know if I've mentioned this before or not but the um 
apartment building where we live that is demolished. So there's a parking lot, which goes to show you, like, sometimes when you go home, there isn't no home. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I want to go to this, um, I don't know if it's, it's even Puerto Rican, but it's a Puerto Rican, like, a uh, very ethnic place. And they have Cuban bread. I was like, I want Cuban bread. So as I'm going... And I am passing by in the car. I look and I'm like, oh my God, that's this person. You know, sometimes when you see people, you're like, oh my God, let me say hi to him. And I didn't stop. And I just kept going. And it rattled me that day for a while. And um, I spoke to my friend later because it was Halloween and I was being a hoe in the house. And him and I were speaking about it. And I was like, the reason why I'm like so shook up about this is because this is someone who assaulted me when we were younger. And I was just like, okay, out of all days for, it's like Saturday at eight o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, of all days to see someone randomly, this is the day. And so we were discussing it and I was just like, he, he asked me about it and I did speak about it um, as well with my therapist and we just spoke about it and I was like, you know, I was thinking, how do I feel about this moment? And I, though it did change the way I view people and the way I interact with people, especially men. Um what it didn't do is that it didn't break me. And even when I was thinking about the emotion that I felt, it was pity. And not pity for me, but pity for him. Because whatever it was, something was broken in you to do what you did to me. And I'm pretty sure because you were walking, you never made it out of where you were. Because this is still the same block that I grew up in 30 something years ago and you are still there. And most of it's gone or changed. Most of it's gone, changed, gentrified. And I know that my quality of life, despite that, has improved dramatically and yet still the person who has done this is still in that same spot. There's your strength and weakness. Yeah. So again, it's like you have mentioned, sometimes things, they just show up from your past. And when it does, you're like, well, what in the hell? I didn't think this was going to come up today. And it did not ruin my day in the way that it might ruin someone else's day. It didn't break me in the way that, and, and I had a whole reflective moment about it. And I even like wrote about it as well, but it was just more so like, okay, I'm still a bad bitch. So like... <laughs> Poor thing. Who? You. <laughs> but yeah I, I just wanted to share that that again sometimes things in your past that are you know and I'll put a trigger warning on this as well um, they come up 
and you whether or not you are you bump into this person at the grocery store or whatever sometimes you just see them in the rearview mirror and that takes me to i guess my final point of reflective things i've learned is the importance of others and that you're not in this world alone uh-huh. and the kindness you show to strangers my grandmother taught us you're entertaining angels that the kindness that you show to someone that they haven't even earned the kindness that you're giving them but you give it anyway uh-huh. and that you always know that you're not alone yeah you know the good the bad the ugly you're not alone and I believe that you would not have ran into that person if you were not ready to run into that person. Yeah, this was I believe like, that is uh, it's just a certain way that life takes us that the road's already there. You're just you don't realize the road's already there, but you're walking it. Uh-huh. And I don't think you would have run into that if you weren't prepared to acknowledge it, to accept it. And to transition it, that's the important thing. You transitioned it. Yeah. You saw it. You brought it up to where, okay, this is this, this is that. I'm here. He's there. And you transitioned it to where you're not the bad guy. You never were. Yeah. Because some people see things and I think they seek them out. That goes back to what you said. You kind of, you don't, you let things evolve. You Mm. don't necessarily, let me go dig it up. No. And when you sometimes go to dig up something, you're going to find a dead body you weren't looking for. Mm -hmm. And then what you going to do with that? Try to drag it. And so if you let it evolve and you just, it looks like you bumped into it, but you were aligned and ready for it. Yeah, because I really wasn't expecting that. I was like, really? Thank you, universe. But you were ready for it. <laughs> but you were ready for it. You, you, you transitioned it to the place that should be. So that piece of luggage is unpacked and gone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't necessarily feel any ill will. I mm-hmm. hope that at this point, that that individual isn't doing the same things that he's done in the past. Um, I hope that they're a better individual to themselves, their loved ones, whomever. And hopefully they're not a menace to society at this point in time. But I mean, that that's not, I don't have to see him. I saw him passing in a car. And you probably will never see him again. Yeah. But that needed to be dealt with. Yeah. And it was. Yeah. And and I, I've come to the realization that you wait. All things come to pass. Now, some things never come to pass because they're not supposed to. Don't go digging because you get a dead body. You got dragged around. Try to figure out what to do with this funky, stinky thing that you ain't got no business carrying in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I've just, 
I'm at that place in life where I realize my past is the past. It has shaped where I am. It still remains to be seen if it will shape my future. What, your past? Right. Because I may have, you know, it's sort of like a game to me. It's like a, you know, maybe I've used all the tokens from then. And I'm gaining new tokens now to be used in that future that is coming. You're a Chuck E. Cheese? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> You're a Chuck E. Cheese. I like Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> I tell you the story, I got hoodwinked and taken, not even my kids, <laughs> somebody else's kids. I said, you want to stop and get, no, Julian was with me. And these other two kids I was watching, I got hoodwinked into watching two badass children. And they said, we want pizza. And Julian says, yeah, pizza. And I was like, Okay, and a, and a little girl said, well, there's Chuck E. Cheese. They serve pizza. I didn't know what Chuck E. Cheese was. Mm. We go through the door, and I, I, when I opened it, I thought, oh, man, this is not going to go. I'm thinking, we'll have a little pizza, take them home, an hour and a half later. Oh, yeah, you don't A hundred and some odd dollars later. Yeah. Oh, my. Yeah, so me and Chuck E. Cheese, that was my first and last event. Kids go bananas there. Alrighty. Well, do you have anything to add? No, just, you know, enjoy enjoy this journey that we're on. Don't make it too difficult. And don't, what is it that they say about don't see, don't puff yourself up too big for it. Mm-hmm. Just, just journey. Just enjoy the ride. Yeah. The good times and the bad times, because the bad times don't last forever. Four years came and went. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were like held hostage as a nation with an orange right. sociopath. So, I mean, oh, we my thought God. it would never end. It ended so, hey. And, and looking back, it doesn't seem as long as it was. So, you know, bad times don't last forever, and neither do good. No. So enjoy where you are relish today because tomorrow's not promised and i will continue to drink rosé wait i think we have to do the one thing oh our self help not self help self care tip so i think it's my turn mm -hmm. to give a self care tip and my self care tip is to sing to sing I, i'm a bit of a chorus kid so i have like why are you laughing? Are you laughing at me singing earlier? <laughs> no, the microphone. Oh, yeah, I was getting there. <laughs> and, um, yeah, sing. I have a rose gold microphone, karaoke microphone, that I break out when the mood hits me. <laughs> um, <but laughs> and I'll put it in the show notes. I think it's such a great gift. But, yeah, be able to, like, sing I think that's a, a, a wonderful thing to to do whether or not you are um, you know sometimes you're above the note or below the note or directly on it I still think that that form of expression especially when it comes to those feel-good songs that make you happy to be able to blurt that out yeah 
is a good thing. Well, that may do. not be my cup of tea, but you do enjoy it. And that that's something that maybe somebody hasn't even heard of or thought of and would enjoy it. Yeah. Find you some songs that, you know, make you happy. Um, I mean, if you're breaking up and you want to, you know, sing Unbreak My Heart, that is so dramatic on a karaoke mic. So, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> oh, dear God. <laughs> whatever. Or sing them good old gospels. <laughs> whatever. You know, people are praising hallelujah now that, you know, Trump's so, yeah. so, so, just find something to sing about and, you know. I hadn't thought about that because I don't get to hear them old-time spirituals. I might have to borrow your little mic. Yeah, you can. You can sing Deep River and My Lord, What a Morning. And I'm serious. Some of them old-time religious songs. There okay. you go. So, sweet yes. Oh, sweet chariot coming for to carry me on. So that, sweet thank you. Oh, sweet chariot. I'm sorry. That's, I love that song. So I like Deep River. But um, I think we did a show. Happy birthday to Gail. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You have made it to the wonderful 6-9 year. Woo-hoo. And you know how I think about 6-9. I know. So, <laughs> it's a very good year, if you know what I mean by that. And um, hope. Yes. <laughs> um, so, and as we always say. Oh, yes. Please like, subscribe. Please um, leave comments if you haven't. Please share. We'll have the email if you want to provide us with some feedback. Uh, we'll go ahead and take Or send me birthday wishes. I accept Send them. her birthday Presents, wishes. Presents, gift cards, Presents, money. Gail, Gail <laughs> money. Um, and as always, thank you all so much for tuning in with us again. It's a pleasure. And be easy. Be well. Be safe. <laughs> be blessed. <laughs> I said that wrong, but it's okay. And Bye. be eat. Oh, Alina left us. Yeah, she she gone. See, that's why you know it's so hard. Teenagers are so flaky. All right. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, you did say that wrong.